The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I like to go to the Gospel of John and, Lord willing, try to begin going through this Gospel and we'll begin at the beginning, right? And the wording here in John chapter 1 and verse 1, you will find the wording is very similar to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. We want to consider that, but particularly in John chapter 1, the first 18 verses are what would be considered a prologue. And as is typically done in a prologue or an introduction, you're going to introduce the main topics or the main themes of the fullness of your writing. And we've tried to uh, emphasize for you already that the theme of the Gospel of John is in chapter 20 and in verse 31, that this Gospel was inspired and penned in such a way to emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ so that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and by believing we would have life through his name, right? And what the Gospel of John emphasizes, and I was thinking about this today, how much we take for granted the amazing mystery of the incarnation that God became a man, okay? We're, we're getting close to Christmas, and sometimes it becomes very uh, sentimentalized, I guess, of the, the sweet little baby that uh, was born in a manger. Um, but it is such a radical concept that Christianity would affirm. And that's why I think it was so confusing probably to uh, people coming from a pagan religion that had this idea of a God that's not a God of love. Uh, the Bible describes God as being a God of love. God is love. But, but the pagan religions describe these gods as being very vengeful and totally separated from man. And it didn't make any sense to them that God would become a man, right? right? And, and we have a lot of different discussions and uh, differences of opinions in Christianity about uh, doctrinal positions and various uh, levels of practice and what we need to do in the church. But in Christianity, we are not typically divided or have any controversy among Christians that Jesus Christ is God, that he is God manifest in the flesh. And as we mentioned for you in the topical survey of 1 John, if anyone denies that Jesus come in the flesh, the Holy Spirit says that's the spirit of Antichrist. Right. So those that deny the divinity of Jesus Christ are not... I'm not saying children of God can't be deceived to a degree, but that is not a true church if they do not believe in the eternal divinity of Jesus Christ. But I say this to say, as we 
just begin this prologue and think about Jesus Christ becoming a man and the Word was made flesh, um, I think we just take for granted the amazing mystery and power that God could become a man. Amen. I mean, it's just as... I feel like we almost take that for granted, uh, whereas like the Trinity, we're always like, oh, well, we can't understand the Trinity. We can't understand providence. We can't understand all these things. But for some reason, we're a little bit more comfortable saying, well, yeah, Jesus was God. <laughs> I mean, that's just as mysterious that we, we, I can't comprehend that. I mean, I can't comprehend how God became a man. can't comprehend other than Jesus laying down his life for the sheep, how God died other than him again giving up his life so beginning here in the gospel of john i want to read the first few verses not sure how far we'll make it tonight but just beginning here in john chapter one we'll read the first five verses and then really emphasize verse 14 john chapter one and verse one in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. So the word is introduced here as God. In the beginning with God, and in the beginning the word was God. And we'll go through the rest of these verses in weeks to come, but I want to skip to verse 14 because this gets to the heart of the matter, okay? Remember, the reason why John is, is penned and inspired in a different way is to emphasize specific situations and specific miracles and specific sermons to defend the deity of Jesus Christ. So this word, this word that was God from the beginning, this same word in verse 14 the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is the theme of the Gospel of John, to show you that Jesus of Nazareth is God. Right. He is the Son of God. And so that you would believe that he is the Son of God. The word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. I mean, the idea that God is described as being a spirit. And no man has ever seen the face of God. Now, we know scripture gives God these human attributes. So we can have a little bit more of a understanding of the nature of God. But it also describes God as being a spirit. So, so there's something that's not... Uh, not as tangible about the nature of God, but then, but then there came a time where the nature of God was packaged into the body of a man. Okay? It says in Colossians, I think it's chapter 2 and verse 9, that in him, in Christ, dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Which is just amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've really enjoyed watching the show The Chosen. Um, while we were out in Texas for Thanksgiving, they're having a, a run of the first two episodes of the third season in theaters to try to have some extra funds and things like that. 
Uh, I would recommend you watching it. As, as always, eat the chicken, throw away the bones. But there's a lot of good chicken. Not, not too many bones that you got to be too careful about. But uh, I, I had that thought, though, as I was watching that. And it's more of, uh, at least for me, I like watching that show because it makes me think. Um, not that I'm just taking everything for exactly the way that the they um, formatted that scene or they added a, a little bit of extra storyline or something, but it makes you think. And to think that that man that was, let's just take, uh, let's just take the Last Supper, for example. Jesus sitting in the upper room, and we know the significance of that, of him instituting the Lord's Supper. But that was God, who the heaven of heavens can't contain him, okay? Who owns, you know... Figuratively, the, the cattle on a thousand hills, all of these descriptions of the eternal God, and he's just sitting there having supper with regular people. And then he bows down and watches the feet of these. What? That doesn't make any sense. What? <laughs> You're telling me that God was just sitting in a room, the God who has the power to just kill everybody all at once when was what's gonna happen the second time uh, when he comes back and, and the veil is removed from his glory. And this world is just going to be incinerated by the glory of God being fully manifested. I mean, he had just as much power and glory when he came the first time. He just concealed it. Yeah. But that, that God who has that power just walked around like a regular man for 33 and a half years. That's why... 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 describes that as great is the mystery of godliness. I mean, that, that's a mystery, isn't it? But it's a mystery we take for granted. But even though it's, it's a mystery, he also says there in, in 1 Timothy 3 that without controversy. Without controversy. Why is it without controversy? Because of scriptures such as the Gospel of John that clearly define the... Uh, the proofs of his divinity without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh in Jesus Christ and what was the he did many miracles many of them are highlighted in the gospel of John but what is the ultimate proof of his divinity it's the resurrection from the dead, right? And that is what everything in Christianity hinges on. I mean, 1 Corinthians 15 goes out of its way to describe that. If, if Jesus is not resurrected, then our hope is vain, our preaching is vain, and the worst yet, we're, we're yet in our sins, right? I mean, we haven't been redeemed. But Jesus said that... Um, an evil adulterous generation seeks after a sign. I'm going to give you a sign. After three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. Okay? And that is the ultimate. He has many um, secondary proofs of his divinity. But Jesus being resurrected from the dead was the ultimate proof that he was who he said he was, that he was God. Yeah. He was the Son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh, 
with the power over life and death. The power to lay it down and the power to take it up. And my hope tonight is really just to hopefully spur your thoughts to meditate upon the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. Because again, I've, I've really um, realized that in Christianity and especially this time of year where we're saying that the word was made flesh and he was born and he uh, became a babe who grew into a man, that Jesus of Nazareth was God. And that is a radical concept in the history of religion, okay? That a God would become a man. And again, you want to talk about a radical concept. Uh, if, if a God ever interacted with men, it was usually to harm them in some way. The idea that uh, a, a deity would come and that a deity would show any degree of humility to even become a man. But the idea that a God would give up his life, his physical life that he undertook, the idea that a God would give up his life for regular humans is just an unheard of concept right. in, in the history of human religion, right? Amen. This is radical. This is radical, but we take it for granted. We take it for granted. And it is amazing, amazing mystery that the same word that was in the beginning with God in creation became man. That word was made flesh, okay? <clears throat> John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Greek word here for word is logos. Logos, okay? And if you think about a word, a word is a tangible expression of an invisible thought, okay, right? We, we write things down to try to express something that's in our head, right. right? I mean, we can't, I can't show you what's in my head. I can't show you a thought that I have. I can't show you uh, this image that's in my head, but I can write through words so to convey to you something that I can't convey to you any other way, right? So words are used to express the best definition that I saw in looking at this was the tangible expression of an invisible thought or idea. So keep that in mind for a minute. And I want to look at a few verses. <clears throat> I think we'll go to Colossians first. Um, Colossians chapter 1. And it's really amazing how much God... Um, concealed of himself in the Old Testament that was then revealed in Jesus Christ, right? I mean, the Old Testament saints knew very little other than a very, uh, a very Mount Sinai 
vision of Jehovah God, right? That, that, that's the God that they saw was the Mount Sinai Jehovah God, typically. But much of God's nature and God's character was concealed, but then it became manifest and it was revealed when God became a man. And we see him uh, carrying out so many different things in the God. That's why we need to spend a lot of time in the Gospels, right? We're disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to see the pattern in which he lived and follow his example. But there is much about God that was concealed, that was revealed when the Word became flesh, right? In Colossians chapter 1, talking of Jesus Christ, he says, Who is the image of the invisible God? Okay? So Jesus became a man, and now through his actions, we can see the nature of a God that is a spirit that is invisible, okay? So through Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that were in heaven. We're going to get to Genesis chapter 1 in creation in just a moment. For by him were all things created that were in heaven and that were in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, many people would say this about Jehovah God, but this is saying this about Jesus, right? By Jesus all things consist, and all things were created by him. And Jesus is the head of the church, verse 18, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the, bed, <clears throat> firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Okay? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We'll just begin reading in verse 1. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, spake in times past uh, unto the fathers by the prophets. So, so God would send a prophet and he would say, Thus saith the Lord, right? Well, then Jesus came into this world, and he just said, I say, right? Uh, he declared firsthand. He didn't have to go through a prophet and say, thus saith the Lord. He says, I am, and I'm speaking. I am the I am, and I say unto you. <laughs> you know, that, that adds a lot of significance there in the Sermon on the Mount, where he's saying, uh, you know, you have heard this, but I say unto you. Well, that's the kind of language that typically God would send a prophet to say, thus saith the Lord. But now he's not sending a prophet. He is the Old Testament manifestation of the prophet from Deuteronomy. And now he's opening his mouth and saying, I'm God and I'm telling you myself. I'm cutting out the middleman for three and a half years. God, who at sundry times in a diverse manner spake in times past, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, by whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, by Jesus, all the worlds were made, who being the brightness of his glory, and notice this language, the express image of his person. Jesus Christ is the express image of God, because he is God, right? 
being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath uh, by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay? So Jesus is the word, the express image of the invisible God. Okay? As we're making our way back to Genesis, I want to read uh, Psalm 33. Psalm 33. And this would have really resonated um, This using the idea of Jesus, um, well, introducing the thought of the word, establishing the word, and then saying, okay, now this word was made flesh and this word is Jesus. This would have resonated, especially with the Jews, and using some of that Greek logos would have resonated with some of the Gentiles too. But in Psalm 33 and in verse 6, this is a verse that the Jews would have known very well. So any Jew... Nicodemus, Nicodemus is highlighted in John chapter 3, right? Well, Nicodemus would have knew this verse really well, especially in his position. Psalm chapter 33 and in verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Okay? So the word of the Lord created the heavens. They would have known that verse very well. So now all of a sudden, when you're introducing uh, a gospel that's speaking of the word, (laughs) let's just say a Jew is reading this, a a Pharisee who is maybe a scoffer, um, not knowing what the rest of the uh, gospel would say yet. uh, I think those first four or five verses, any Jew would have been saying, amen. Amen. The Word was in the beginning with God. The Word was God. In in the Word is light. That's what we find in Genesis, right? How uh, How was light created? God said by His Word. So everything up to introducing Jesus Christ, the Jews would have been, amen, 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 amen. And then you get to the crux of the matter, which is, in a, which is kind of the theme of most of the uh, most of the sermons, like in Acts, G- G- God promised the Messiah. He promised the Messiah. He promised the Christ, uh, the seed of David. They build it up, and then what's the punchline? Jesus is the Christ, right? Well, that's essentially how. Uh, the Spirit is building up this introduction to the Gospel of John. As people would have been reading that and saying, okay, the Word, yeah, I believe that. The Word created this. And then you get to the, to the punchline, which is that that Word is Jesus of Nazareth. Okay? That Word is Jesus Christ. Okay, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible begins. And where, where does it begin? It begins in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, 
and there was light. Skip down a little bit later to the sixth day where man is created, um, highlighting the the Trinity here in Genesis chapter 1. God says in verse 26, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. Okay, remember, Jesus became a man who was the express image of the invisible God. Well, man was made in the image of God, right? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. You see there that God is speaking in the plural, right? So we have the whole Trinity here. So now let's back up to the first three verses, and we can find all three members of the Trinity right here in the first three verses. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. By the way, we take Genesis 1 for granted a whole lot too. Um, I don't even understand. Okay, I can get, well, I say I can. I can't really even understand verse 1 either. But verse 2, the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. So somehow there was waters there. You know, there's water there in the beginning somehow. I don't know where it's at. I don't know how it's formulated. But there's water there. And the Spirit moved upon the face of the water. Okay? So where's Jesus in this? Where's Jesus in this? Verse 3, God said. Well, there's the Word, isn't it? Right? That's the Word. And every bit of this creation is God speaking the word speaking, God said, let there be, and there was. That's pretty much the story of Genesis chapter 1, right? God said, let there be, and there was. Well, when God said, what is that? That's the word, isn't it? That's right. So every time that it said, God said, let there be, that is Jesus speaking to creation. And that's why he can say that by him, all things were created because the word of God gave the decree that created all of this. God said by the word, by Jesus Christ, let there be light and there was light. And he describes him in Genesis, uh, in John chapter one of being light him being the light of the world later on in that gospel, the true light that all men would come unto. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was, a, uh, was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said by Jesus Christ, let there be light, and there was light. Let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. <clears throat> And we see the way that this gospel begins. In the beginning was the Word, right? In the beginning we see God speaking. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made by Him and without Him 
was not anything made that was made. So, as we fast forward to Jesus becoming a man, (laughs) you know, I can really see why some, especially um, Jesus' family, it describes his siblings um, as really struggling until after his resurrection to accept that their sibling was God. God. <laughs> and you know, my siblings weren't God manifest in the flesh. They're, they're real sinners, right? Um, but Jesus wasn't going around and hitting his brothers and lying and doing things and blaming it on someone else, you know, like all kids do. But I couldn't wrap my head around this person that I played with in the dirt as a kid. You're telling me that this is the creator of the entire universe. Uh, That's why it takes faith to believe that, right? I mean, (laughs) that doesn't make any sense. You're telling me that that this man who walks around like me, he has to eat like everybody else. He, He gets tired. Um, He sweats. Uh, He has to sleep. You're telling me that that the sovereign God of this universe that never slumbers or sleeps, that he he goes to sleep for eight hours a day like everybody else? I mean, I can understand why as you saw Jesus just walking around as a man, it would have been very difficult in a natural sense to believe that this man is the sovereign God of this entire universe. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult to believe, but it's also at the same time equally so foolish for not believing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, that, and that's part of the reason why, again, God delivered the miracles in the way that he did to, to manifest. Okay, he looks like a regular guy, but a regular guy cannot go around doing these things unless something is very special about him, that he must come down from heaven, that he must be the son of God. But I can just imagine the struggle. Uh, and, and that's why Jesus was, is some, we're really hard on those people from Nazareth. Okay, you read Luke chapter four, and he goes into that synagogue for the first time back in Nazareth. Obviously, prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, it, the people that are that are the closest to him are clearly the people that are going to recognize his divinity the closest or, or the quickest. And actually, it's the exact opposite, right? right? I mean, they're ready to, to throw him off the, the cliff of the town when he uh, announces his, uh, his ministry and his divinity there in, in his hometown. I, I can see the struggle of that. Right. Uh, like I said, my, my older brother was definitely not God manifested in the flesh, but I would not have believed anybody <laughs> if they would have told me that he was God. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense that God would become a man. Again, just the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of godliness. Verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. I mean, Go back to Genesis 1. Everything that God created, he took deadness, nothing, darkness, and he made it into life and light, right? He took all of that and he gave life. He describes himself later on in the Gospel of John as being the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, when he resurrected Lazarus, right? John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the 
life. Acts 17, 28. In God, in Christ, we live and we move and we have our being. Everything about our life, it comes from and is sustained by God. That, that's true in the natural sense. It's also true in the spiritual sense, right? We know that we don't get spiritual life by ourselves. No, it's by the sovereign act of the Word of God, right? Imparting life unto it. So all life comes from Jesus Christ. Whether it be natural, spiritual, all life comes from Jesus Christ. And the life was the light of men. And just as amazing as the mystery that God became a man, it's also quite a mystery, verse 5, that the light shines in darkness, but the darkness comprehendeth not. Again, um, I read the Gospels, and you see all of these things happening, and you just say, how in the world, number one, did they not believe? I mean, it's one thing to be just apathetic, you know? There's a lot of people that were like that. They, they went, they, they went for the show, they um, went for the lows and the fishes. Uh, the, you have this new novelty out in the wilderness, and I can get a f- couple free meals out of it. Yeah, let's go check it out, right? Uh, but some people went for the novelty. But it's amazing that he came into this world and he shined his light to his creation. And what was his creation's response to him shining his light to the God that created every single one of them? There was a group of wicked Pharisees that convinced the mob to influence Pilate to kill the creator of this universe. I mean, how disrespectful of the creation when the creator showed up, right? I mean, the light showed up and darkness comprehended it not. The light showed up and the darkness hated the light so much that it wanted to extinguish the light and it put Jesus to death. I mean, isn't that amazing that, that God suffered his creation to crucify Now, understand, I know he laid down his life, but his creation to take the life of the creator? That doesn't make any sense, right? It's amazing. The light shined in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. We'll go ahead and conclude. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, we have this picture into the throne room of God, and you have the 24 elders and the four beasts, and this amazing picture of worship here in Revelation chapter 4. And the four elders, verse 10, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Okay? The lamb is not introduced yet. The lamb is going to be introduced in the next chapter. But I want you to notice this connection. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now what happens in the very next chapter? The lamb 
arrives. The lion of the tribe of Judah, but he appears as a lamb as he had been slain. And they begin to sing a new song. Revelation chapter 5 and in verse 9, they sung a new song and says, Thou art worthy. Right? Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And you've made us kings and priests. Verse 13. Every, verse 12. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all them that are in them heard I say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever see thou art worthy and it goes from focusing uh, solely on God on the throne to now it's equating the lamb that has been slain with the same glory and honor as God the father on the throne you see, because that lamb is one with God the Father and he created all things. Okay, So we could say the exact same thing of Jesus Christ and the lamb in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Jesus Christ, thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Why should... The creation worship the creator. For thou hast created all things. And for what purpose? For what purpose did God do all of this? It's certainly not about us. He chose us before the world began solely for his own praise and glory. Ephesians chapter 1 chose us in verse 4, predestinated in verse 5. For what purpose? To the praise of the glory of his grace, right? Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. For thou art worthy, O Lamb, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And we have the amazing blessing of not just seeing Jesus Christ by an eye of faith, but God was so gracious to give us these scriptures. Amen? Amen. To inspire these scriptures so we can see this, that so many Old Testament saints, I think about Job so often. You know, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know it. But he didn't know his Redeemer's name. I have a hope that I'm going to see him with my own too. I know it's so of a truth. But how can a man be just with God? Well, we know about that because God told us in the, in the New Testament scriptures. We know about that. And we have such a clear vision of Jesus Christ as the Son of God that so many saints in the Old Testament didn't have, right? I mean, think about Abraham. I mean, he, he's, he understood a little bit on Mount Moriah. And Jesus said in John chapter 8 that Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced to see my day. And he was glad. He, it made him happy. But he, he saw through a veil darkly, didn't he? But we can see so much more clearly through the Word of God. God's so gracious to inspire this Word so that we can have these testimonies of the divinity of Jesus Christ. And if we didn't have anything else, 
just Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead is enough to prove his divinity. He, he went around saying that it was going to happen for three and a half years. Right. And lo and behold, it happened. Amen. Okay? He was resurrected from the dead, and that proved that he was who he said he was, which is God manifest in the flesh. And all in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily as the Word was made flesh. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.